0: Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to 96.5 WCCS Wheaton College Radio. I'm Adam Bass, and welcome back to Sit Down for a Toss-Up, where we tell your stories and let you tell your stories. And today we've got a very special guest with us. We have Claire Contadine. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. Yep. I am. So uh, Claire is a researcher at Brilliant and Corners uh, Research and Strategies, uh, the, the firm of Cornell Belcher, and she has been part of the organizing community and the data community for quite some time. So Claire, Welcome to WCCS.
1: Very happy to be here.
0: Thank you. So, obviously, what I want to do is obviously give the floor to you and let tell your story. So, how'd you get into uh, your line of work of research, particularly, and what is exactly that you do for those who don't really understand uh, what a research, uh, what uh, Brilliant Corners does?
1: Sure. Um, so, I started in politics uh, like way back in high school. Um, my parents, like growing up, uh, they were you know, very NPR, very Planned Parenthood Democrats. Uh, I always used to say that when my mom, uh, like when we would answer the house phone when I was growing up, uh, my mom always had a rule that if it was someone calling to ask for money, uh, tell them to go away, unless it was NPR, then come get her. And if it was Planned Parenthood, go get her and find the checkbook. Uh, <laughs> So I, you know, had this sort of fascination with politics. I didn't really think it was going to be like my career, um, but I ended up interning with like the original incarnation of organizing for America in Kentucky, uh, and then I went on with the Kentucky Dems, and I really had a really transformative experience in field. Um, like I always say that I may have studied mathematics in undergraduate, but I was educated at people's doors.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you say at people's doors, uh, it's, it's a very hands-on experience, you would say, like in the field instead of just in the classroom?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the like boiler room of American politics mm-hmm. and like am- politics happening on a micro level happens like you be, the best way to get a fundamental understanding of that is to just talk to voters, like go mm-hmm. to the source and really understand it for yourself.
0: Absolutely. Obviously, it's very challenging nowadays to do that since we're all kind of locked in. So what has your uh, what has your strategies been in order to talk to voters during these times?
1: Oh, I mean, I have not done the uh, or I, like this past election cycle oh, okay. uh, in November. No. Uh, but I mean, you know, Democrats, uh, more so than Republicans, are adapting their field strategies to be like, you know, pandemic friendly. Mm-hmm. I personally would have no problem with someone coming to my door and like knocking then standing six feet away. Uh, Mm -hmm. But also it's like really I think pushed a reinvention and a reimagining that was long overdue of merging digital strategy with like in-person organizing.
0: Mm -hmm. And you know since things are becoming more uh, uh, technology based there have been reports that There are some sites like Facebook and Twitter who are thinking about getting rid of their uh, political, their political advertising section, which, you know, could be harmful for some candidates, but also helpful for information. So what's your take on that? Like, how do you get, how do you navigate through the, using social media or other sorts of uh, technological, excuse me, uh, technology-based platforms?
1: Um, I don't really, uh, have a very intricate opinion on social media and like what private social media companies want to do with their political Mm -hmm. advertising. I think it's a great tool for campaigns. Um, I will point out that Facebook ads manager is extremely laggy and thinks Mm -hmm. your, uh, ram is free real estate. So little, you know, tidbit. (laughs) But, um, I mean, I think digital tools and like organizing on a digital level is, you know. It's like, as opposed to doing it in mass with, you know these blanket ads that you see that are just banners that, you know, flash and people click on them. I think Mm -hmm. we can even move like tools like relational organizing to like digital spaces to create communities that feel more organic.
0: Claire, so as you said, you're from Kentucky, Uh, you've worked quite a bit in the state or the Commonwealth, I should say, Um, you've uh, you mentioned to me that you were the uh, the campaign manager for Marty Olson in Tennessee's first district in 2018. You know, a lot of people have, especially in in a place like Massachusetts, they have some very, I guess you could say opinionated uh, perceptions of what Southern politics is like. So let me ask someone who's actually lived, breathed and worked through Southern politics. What is it like compared to something you would see in DC or even Massachusetts?
1: so i will say that i have some empathy for the coastal elites that do not quite understand my state i grew up in lexington which is like the home of the university of kentucky mm-hmm. uh, it has i think at one point the 11th best gay scene in the world mm-hmm. um yeah we elected uh, when i was in high school we elected our first gay uh, gay mayor it's uh, jim gray who later went, uh, went on to run for Senate. And so Lexington is like a very like progressive little bubble that I grew up in. And honestly, I, you know, as like a, you know, teenager and in my early 20s, I thought that the rest of the state was just like dino banjos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so actually like going into those communities and organizing there and talking to people was extremely transformative because I thought I knew my state and I did not.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good point to know. Uh, we all think we know our even our own bubbles and we really don't, honestly. Um, so what was it like going to those communities, like some experiences and what you've discovered about Kentucky as a whole?
1: Um, Maybe not so much about Kentucky as a whole, because I was really responsible for a, you know, region of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's, like, fundamentally, you know, missed is that you drive down, like, this, to set the scene, like, you, to knock these doors, you drive down a old country road, like, this holler that has three houses on it. And you pull up in someone's driveway, like simply to talk to them, and people come out, and they're like, they're confused. They're like, nobody has ever, you know, been interested in my politics before. Uh,
0: so it's really I, a matter of just talking to people. That's really it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's about forming those connections. When I have trained like canvassers and organizers, I have always said, you know, I don't want you to be policy experts. Uh, it's about forming that connection because like if it's a state legacy, I mean people aren't going to vote for what's what's her face or what's his name they're gonna you know vote for that like nice young man or nice young lady that came to their door or sat on their porch and talked to them and like you know they felt heard for the first time. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I think that is something that we are I think solely a little bit missing in our politics you know just that personal connection and Again, it doesn't help that we're all locked indoors. But when you are locked indoors, you do tend to get creative. And what you have done, especially online, uh, is really express your love of one of America's greatest television shows, The Simpsons. Um, and uh, well, let's just talk about that. Like, what, what made you get into it and what, why so many uh, cultural uh, references to The Simpsons that made you so drawn, especially on Twitter?
1: Um, So, The Simpsons is somewhat of a nostalgia thing for me, like a very deep nostalgia. I started watching it when I was definitely way too young Mm -hmm. to be watching The Simpsons. My parents thought it was a cartoon, and, like, by the time they realized it wasn't a cartoon for kids, it was already, is already, like, indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And growing up, I, like, really, you know, identified with Lisa Simpson a lot, and I think like, there's a lot of parallels and, like, relatable narratives and, like, stuff that really just holds up uh, today.
0: A mm-hmm. uh, favorite episode, if you had to pick one?
1: I cannot pick a favorite episode. Mm-hmm. I go through phases. I say I have two moods. It's Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1 and Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2, mm-hmm. which are great episodes. Um, but, you know, I think... I could probably pick anything out of like the true golden era of the Simpsons, Mm -hmm. which is anywhere from Bart, the general in season one to season, even as late as 15.
0: I I tend to think uh, season seven and eight were some of the best ones, Uh, which was, I think season seven was with Burns part one, or that was part two. I I don't know. I haven't watched it in so long. Um, But you know, I think it's interesting that you use uh, the Simpsons as just a funny way to communicate with everybody and just make memes out of it. Um, mainly because, you know, and, and this is something I I hear people in my school talking about, uh, and I don't know if you agree with this, but, uh, memes are a new way of of communicating for many, for many people. Um, I'm not sure how that's true with voters. Um, but what's your thoughts?
1: (laughs) Um, I mean, it's visual comedy, isn't it? Uh, Mm -hmm. so like, I suppose that like communicating, like through this whole like common cultural, like, what is it? A monoculture of humor, Mm -hmm. uh, makes things like easy and you can contextualize stuff very, very quickly in a Mm -hmm. way that everyone will understand.
0: Right. Let's, um, let's move on to another sort of topic that you've been doing, end your life now in Washington, DC. Uh, you are in DC, correct? Correct. Correct. Um, well first of all, when did you move there, and what was it like just going from one place to another because obviously that could be some whiplash in terms of mental strain
1: um you know, I can't really say that there was any mental whiplash or strain mm-hmm. in moving I'm pretty pretty good at it by mm-hmm. now. I've m- moved at least like in the past five years over a dozen times mm-hmm. uh, so I mean, I'm a moving expert and also like an apartment hunting pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been like a little weird uh, moving during a pandemic because, you know, your bubble is so limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really, really happy to get out of my, my apartment in Baltimore, uh, where I was during the early pandemic, because I was having sort of a shining thing going on being trapped inside it. Mm. I
0: mean, what makes the best apartment apartment? I've never even been in, inside of one. So I have no uh, just visual aspect of what makes a good apartment apartment to you, Claire.
1: Oh, um, I'm not, I can't claim to be an interior design expert, but, (laughs) and and I have my own preferences, but I'm like a purist for all utilities included. Mm -hmm. I will even pay extra to not have to think about an electricity bill uh, or like a water bill or God forbid trash. Mm -hmm. Um, And I generally look for private landlords uh, Mm -hmm. because I really don't like the weird, like I don't want to rent from Walmart.
0: So uh, so, why, so what are your favorite sites in DC so far? Or just, how long have you been here for, in DC for?
1: Uh, six months now.
0: Six months. Any specific places that really have become sort of favorites? It could be something big, like one of the monuments, or even just something little that's special to you.
1: Um, you know, I always like to stare at the Potomac and you know drink coffee and think of reasons why Ronald Reagan
0: is overrated. Uh, we'll go into that well why do you think ronald reagan's overrated
1: i mean i think he's overrated by republicans you know Mm -hmm. he's kind of deified uh but we we don't have to get into that uh i think it's like kind of like is Mm self-explanatory um i think the supreme court building is like very i don't know that kind of evokes feeling in me more so than like the washington monument or the capitol building Mm -hmm. I, i don't know why i feel a strange like Visceral connection to it, but I do.
0: One thing I've noticed uh, when I went back down to DC this year, and I've and I'm not sure if you you probably do. Um, all all three legislative, uh, all three branches of government are uh, like in, sandwiched in between each other. Like on one side, it's the Capitol. One side, it's the it's the White House, and in the middle, I think it's the Supreme Court. So I. Um,
1: but yeah, go ahead.
0: No, no, you go ahead. You're the guest.
1: Oh, sorry. Uh, so like. Kind of, um, I mean, the watch, like the mall and like the Capitol itself is both very, very close, like closer than you think they are, Mm -hmm. but also further away than you think they are too.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I have to go back down to DC to get another look and I hope I can go back down. It's beautiful there, especially in the spring. Um, Wicked hot though, wicked hot. So what other, well, what, what sort of projects have you been working on specific, or can you not go into that, especially in your work?
1: Um, you know, there's a pretty, it's not any cloak and dagger thing or not anything like, you know, nefarious, uh, and I'm not trying to be cagey, but we just, you know, out of respect for our clients, like, of course,
0: course. um, have you been enjoying, or that's too personal also, um, what exactly, you know, it comes with a challenge of even doing this now or even before the pandemic, if you want to be part of this during the pandemic or before the pandemic.
1: Um, I think a lot of the aching and like scratching, uh, head scratching that happened with, you know, opinion research like had to do with uh, how like the voting process was happening mm-hmm. and you know, how people like how the mail and ballots and how the pandemic are actually going to impact it. Cause it's like, man, it's like, you're like trying to captain a ship uh, in a storm next to a rocky coast with no map. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. And I assume there are good days as well. Some good sailing days, as as you would say.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, you know, you, you do the best you can and you're not, you know, ever, you can only be fairly uh, confident that you get it right. And then, you know, generally we do
0: so uh, l- let, let me ask you this in five years you know and this is obviously the question that no one likes answering but in five years where do you see yourself or even uh your work
1: um i want to own some
0: beehives go into that i want to hear this tell me about the beehives
1: <laughs> i uh, i've been toying with the idea of at least like purchasing a cabin in like you know west virginia or like the dc excerpts and then having the acreage to uh, like get beehives, mm-hmm. um, which would form sort of a, I imagine a defensive perimeter around my home.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm no bee expert, but that sounds awesome. Um,
1: you know, but they would also be like a source of like honey and mm-hmm. uh, a major time sink, but they go to sleep in the winter as I understand
0: it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we do need more bees in the world, you know? Bees are, bees are suffering, so, you know? If, if we could take on climate change, I'm sure we can take on getting more bee population. You know?
1: Yeah. And uh, I think it ends the agonizing of like what you get people for Christmas because you're just getting jars of my honey, honey.
0: And, and you make money from the honey, honey. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, you know, that, that's one of the exports that could really make West Virginia popular, you know, just Claire's bee, bee corporation. um, and, and you just see... Senator Manchin calling for funds, or or Senator Capito, one or the other, um, calling for funds, you know, a proposed amendment saying we need more money for the bees. So I could definitely see that happen. Um, You know, but why West Virginia? Obviously, it's a great state. um, And I think it's a a bit trashed way too much for what it deserves. I know our good friend Juseveki has said West Virginia is very underrated, and I tend to agree with him. But what decided West Virginia instead of something like just Virginia or maybe North Carolina, or maybe back to Kentucky.
1: Property taxes and proximity to DC. There you
0: go. There you go. It's, it's as simple as that folks. Uh, one more question before we go, because we are running out of time. We got to get to our next program, but um, anything you want to say to those listening to this program, uh, any shout outs you want to do in particular?
1: Um, you know, good luck to Miles next time. I, you know, <laughs> bless his heart. Uh, A lot like uh, in the past couple weeks, you know, people have been in my DMs uh, asking me about like career advice if they want to like enter politics. And I'm not saying that I'm this super sage, like senior veteran or anything, but if you're contemplating going into campaigns, uh, slide into my DMs and very friendly. And I will advocate heavily like you get on the ground and you do grassroots work we need smarter like more passionate people in grassroots organizing
0: hurry here first folks slide to those dms and well okay that's not what i mean um politely inquire in the direct messages if you are only interested in that but if not just go look at your simpsons beans you'll be satisfied claire yeah go on go on claire <laughs>
1: You can slide into my DMs like crazy. I'm really fun. I want to make new friends all the time.
0: <laughs> there you go. It's, it's the magic of making friends. Claire, I want to say thank you for joining us on Sit Down for a Toss-Up. And just thank you so much. It, it's great to have people like you to join us and really tell your story. And tell more about bees next time. I'd love to tell you about to, for you to talk about bees next time.
1: Thanks for having me. Yep.
0: And thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. We're going to have Ben White on Tuesday and J. Miles Coleman on Friday. I'm Anna Bass. Take care and for, sit down for a toss up.